welcome to True Alignment. I'm Edgar Papke. I'm Ken Sagendorf. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the True Alignment podcast. Um, you're going to be joining a conversation midstream. As we often do, as we prepare for a podcast to get up and running, we begin to have conversation here at the table and with our guest. And um, today, that conversation just um, continued right along. And um, what you're going to experience is dropping right into a conversation. Which is live here in the uh, Gronowski Innovation Incubator in the Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University in Denver, Colorado, and live from Cape Town, South Africa today. So we're joined by uh, Kevin Pippert. Kevin, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it is just a real privilege. And I'm enjoying the conversation already. And what we do is we always invite our listeners to uh, reach out to us. Email us at uh, info at truealignment.com. Questions, thoughts, comments, anything el- anything at all, uh, you're welcome. And we'll respond as quickly as we can. Also, to remind you to subscribe, ask, uh, share this with your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, um, so they can also benefit from the uh, conversations of True Alignment. Kevin, I, I teach a, an entrepreneurship class in the grad programs here in the business school in the fall. And uh, I have my students try and start businesses. If they're in my person in class with me in person, we try and start businesses in eight weeks and, and we've been successful. It's, uh, it's That's been a lot of fun. We've, we've walked things, even augmented reality things out the door in eight weeks. Um, when I teach wow. online, wow. like we just did, which was across the U S this time around, um, we do it as a more of a theoretical exercise, but the, the work, some of the foundational work is not different the ability to talk to actual potential customers and understand problem and pain points and, and come up with viable solutions and start to test to still, still remain the same. Um, the challenge I always face is when they, they have an idea, they think they know what the problem is, and then they go talk to potential customers. And regardless of what the customers say, they think the problem is still the same problem they had decided before they spoke with them. <laughs> yeah. And how did those, how, how successful are those? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, here's, here's what we say, you know, um, and this is funny cause I kind of, sometimes I feel like split lives, my life here at the university and then my life working here with true Lyman and Edgar and Heather. Um, but in, in the world here at the university, I help people start businesses. And one of the things we say is that if you are not clear on the problem and who has it, you will ultimately end up as a sales business. Which is why we chose alignment because everybody's got that problem. Yeah. <laughs> so true. So true. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. You were saying? Well, I think that's a, a similar dynamic in our, 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 our community transformation work. If, uh, you know, you have to hear, hear what people's problems are. Otherwise, because progress. we as, as um, helpers, you want to come in and help a community and you think, you know, you've got a solution. You know what's wrong with the community. You just walk around. Look, they're poor. You got to help them. You know, you got your solutions. But to actually have any significant change, yeah. you need to listen. We, we built what the issues uh, are for here, them. Here at Regis years ago, maybe maybe nine years ago or so, we, we developed a, um, a master's degree in development practice. It actually uh, operates around the world. A large amount of our students are actually from from the continent of Africa, and uh, our partner at the front end was 
the IEEE, and they, they said for years, you know, we have so many great projects rusting all over the world, um, you know, because, yes. because they had come in saying, we, we know. Um, and, and, you know, that's a, uh, you know, that's a black-white thing too, right? I mean, we know from this seat of privilege that we've come in and we've solved your problems for you. Yep, yeah. So I worked with a community it's, foundation. I worked with the community foundation and one of the things they kept doing was programming and then nothing was uh, actually getting the feedback or the participation from the community that they were seeking. So uh, uh, flipped it and so instead of reach out, outreach, we did invite in and uh, use design thinking um, processes to engage the community and, and actually creating the programming um, that was really beneficial to them as opposed to coming at it from, yeah, here's what we think you ought to do approach. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Mm -hmm, That's stuff. crazy. Uh, I wanted to comment really quickly though. What is really cool to me, because um, I love startups and I love, you know, things that move quickly. And so um, what you were talking about is like starting these little businesses and getting them off the ground in eight weeks. And then they get out into the real world and then they have to slow down. And I think that's criminal. I think we have to figure out how to take advantage of the speed of like capstone projects and, and programs like yours to maintain that momentum. I, I'll, I'll say that in my experience, one of the answers is getting them as quickly as they can into um, finding their assumptions to not hold true and what conditions that happens. Fail fast? Yeah, fail fast. I mean, I think that, you know, a lot of times uh, – I, we're having this fast. we're having this conversation with Lori Jones on the podcast, our guest last weekend, Kevin, and uh, last week, and um, saying that you know most businesses underestimate the cost of 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 marketing and promotion, grossly underestimate the cost of those things. Uh, my experience with most startups is they grossly underestimate all of their costs, um, and then <laughs> he looks at me. <laughs> I've been in the startup gym <laughs> for thirty years. In on this one, right? I mean, it's expensive, um, and and you know, some things are uh, just you just didn't think about as you were as you were doing the initial planning, but then also the ability to capture repeatable revenue and uh, or new customers and um, cost of customer acquisition, like those are all assumptions that need be tested because you can put them on paper, but until you test them, and I think you had to gotta. That's where that design thinking mentality. All of those things deserve a design thinking ap approach. And I think, uh, so this is an interesting um, dynamic here too, because we've got, you know, so Kevin, you're in the non-profit, non not for-profit, <coughs> non-profit. I'm not sure. I'm not familiar. Which one do you like? <laughs> not non-profit in Illinois, not for-profit, but yeah, that, that sector, which is, is similar yet definitely not congruent. I tell you what, there's, you know, there's some, significant differences and perspectives, especially in the, uh, if you want to call it small international faith-based nonprofit sector, that's a totally different creature right there. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. We, um, we have a very yeah. successful nonprofit management program here in our business college, which I'm very proud of. Uh, a close colleague of mine, um, MD Canodi runs that. Um, interesting. He's got some similar overlaps with you, right? I mean, he went to seminary and, um, He's got a he's got a theology degree, um, but he runs our nonprofit. He's very interested in uh, building things in Kenya. Even has his own startup. But 
you know, I've worked, that's a 33 year old program. And a lot of the major nonprofits here in town are run by our graduates. Um, and it's been great. But I remember when I first came to the business school, I got a call from uh, one of our alums that ran, uh, the Denver community, the Denver foundation, which is, uh, one of the top 10 largest community foundations in the U S and she was, she was an hour and a half away and she spoke to me. I don't know how else to say it. She spoke to me for the whole hour and a half home. And basically she said, when you all are thinking about that business school, you need to, you need to help the nonprofit sector think differently about their resourcing. Um, because in her experience, right, she wanted the community foundation to seed a million things. Um, but the, the nonprofits would come for seed funding and then never figure out how to make it fundable on its own and would have to come back every year for more of that same seed funding. <clears throat> and, and this, we find this out. I mean, in our university, which is a, a Jesuit Catholic university, uh, you know, the Jesuits have this wonderful kind of social justice DNA uh, built in. And, and lots of the students that I intersect with want to do nonprofit work. Um, but their answer about how you fund it is always somebody will give me the money. <laughs> yeah. I, I tell you, if, if we had our, our whole conversation just about this topic, you know, I, I feel like that would be at least on my part would, would be valuable because I think that's really the, the issue. You know, we talk about sustainability and in, in different contexts, that's usually around, you know, ecological sustainability and, and the earth. But when you're talking about economic sustainability of a nonprofit organization, that's a real thing. And I think you, you need to have, you know, we're, we're thinking about this, but using these these ideas of, of, of partnership collaboration with for-profit entities or nonprofit entities working alongside or even fi- funding or f- founding uh, for-profit activities, aspects. And then, and, and those for-profit activities are ones that are just, they're, they're sort of bundled together with the nonprofit and that's how it, it gets funded. And yeah. Ideas of endowments and just a totally different creative way of income generating for a nonprofit because the, the, the Western model, there's a whole ecosystem or you know, infrastructure of, of funding, a, a mentality of funding from the West that isn't the same in developing countries. Yes. It, it's just not that, that, that whole ecosystem isn't there. And that meant that, so there needs to be a totally different model of that. Otherwise we just come back and go, okay, give us funding for year one. <laughs> then you come back, yeah. give us funding for year two, <laughs> you know, and keep coming back. And then that's not sustainable. Well, and, and Kevin, you know, I, the conversation I have with my students often is that, um, you know, this is the, I, I tease them with, with love in my heart. I tease them that they, you know, the, the young ones especially will come with puppy dog eyes <laughs> and, and they'll say, but isn't this a good thing? And I say, it is, it is, but all so many things are good things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, yeah. the next time there is a, um, a war in the middle East, <laughs> um, a, a fire on an, a Hawaiian Island, an, an Indonesian um, super wave, um, people will think those are good things too. Um, and now you're in the battle for which is a better thing. Mm. Um, and that's how people are yeah. going to make decisions. And that's unpredictable, which is a hard road as a business. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All the best to him because I, I you know, good is, is good. <laughs> 
better is even better <laughs> Gooder. the best that's you know and i i literally have this tape to my my thing it's good better best focus on the best because there's a lot of good things that are going on there's a lot of great activities there's a lot of you know people can do good things and and you know we talk about sort of these random acts of goodness you know you can just you know give a million dollars to you know such and such a project but you know africa the developing world is full of you know these these white elephant things that are you know these great you know combines sitting out in the middle of a field in in you know in africa that was a it was a great idea it was a great gift it took a lot of work you know somebody gave this combine and shipped that thing over to africa and there it sits because there's not one single replacement part for that particular yeah. thing <laughs> yeah. those are yeah. good ideas you got to think of it as a system they're, they're good ideas great wow. yeah but you know it's not the best. <clears throat> what I love, um, what was really fascinating to me, so I was telling these guys that you and I, you know, go back to 1985, I think, and um, it's really fun having reconnected and just finding, like, you're such an entrepreneur um, and so, you know, into leadership development and, you know, like, wanting to absorb as much um, as you can, making great references uh, for me. <laughs> you know, I've been reading books uh, that we talked about. But um, it's just interesting to me because this nonprofit world is completely foreign to me. I haven't operated in that space. I've been all, you know, capitalist, especially high-growth startup, high-tech startup. Um, and so it's really been fun, you know, talking about, you know, learning about Regis, talking about the Global Dialogues Project, um, which is Edgar's 501c3, and then, uh, you know, hearing about your world and learning more about your world. I mean, fascinating to me as you just talk about that, you know, like, yeah, I could just see somebody thinking, what a great idea. Let's give them a combine. They can, you know, harvest so much more. <laughs> um, I'm curious because, you know, what, I, I, what I'm hearing in, in sustainability is, of course, you know, like, you know, instead of giving someone a fish, teach, teach the man how to fish. What it, does anybody here know the origin of that saying? That's a biblical. It is biblical. That's what I was thinking, but I didn't want to assume. I thought my neighbor Randy came up with it. Oh, well. <laughs> Your neighbor Randy. <laughs> Good on you, Randy. <laughs> Randy's smart. Shout out to Randy. <laughs> a couple of thoughts I have as I'm listening to the dialogue here. Uh, one is uh, sustainability versus growth. And so we find sustainability, sustainability mindsets, and I would suggest to you that in most instances, sustainability as a mindset is about survival as opposed to growth mindset uh, or expansive mindset and exploring it through that lens. That's, uh, I, and I, I love the idea of the, you know, always coming back to systems thinking and seeing it as part of a whole and recognizing that and making that part of the uh, ongoing conversation and always asking that question out of curiosity is um, what, what does the system around us look like and, and what are the aspects and, uh, and elements of it that, uh, provide challenges and, uh, and opportunities. And so there's that piece of the dialogue I think is really worthwhile. You could explore even further. And um, and then the other one is the, the, the modeling of it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, uh, where we have models and mindsets and ways of seeing things, whether it's Western world versus you know, <laughs> Mideast or however you want to um, slice and dice it, it really is about um, interpreting and seeing what different um, experiences offer and uh, the uh, the ability to see it as um, 
as a again a system or modeling it in some way that that it really aligns to it and leverages it as opposed to always hitting up against it or you know trying to roll a big boulder up the hill. So um, I think if you look at it through that, finding out where the model is, you find out where the sweet spots are, and through that you find out where the levers are. So all of that's really great stuff. So thank you. It's been a pleasure having you with us here this morning. Yeah. <laughs> you sound like you're wrapping okay. up. Yeah, I, well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's all great stuff yeah, in five thanks, minutes. Kevin. <laughs> I'm just saying that five, eight minutes span there was excellent, guys. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say, did we just do the whole podcast? <laughs> Wrap it up, baby. That was wonderful. And, and uh, we'll leave it up to our yeah. our producer to edit that stuff. <laughs> That's what I was now. wondering in my head. Right? You're right. How am I going to stretch this? How am I going to take that and use it? Yeah. Good. If you have to warm up, Edgar's uh, a little bit of a goofball. You'll, you'll pick up on that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've, what? I've been. Uh, <laughs> I said a wonderful person. You're a wonderful person. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I've been listening to to some of the podcasts, uh, you know, catching up, and, and um, I, I've, I've very much enjoyed them. But I do realize that there's a, a, a difference in, in, in language. We use a very different language about things, but uh, the meaning, I think, behind them is very, very similar. And I think, you know, just this true alignment, I I absolutely love this because for us, we we talk about holistic uh, community Mm -hmm. transformation or integral, integrated and holistic. So we look at the whole thing. And I think that's very systems- I think because I'm not, I don't know anything about systems thinking. I mean, I heard about it and whatever, but I, that's, I, I, I don't know. That's not my world, but I think it's the same thing. And the true alignment to me is really just finding that, 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 that synergy, that alignment in every area of life. So whether it's ah. physical, emotional, social, spiritual, it is, and, and it's, and it's fig- identifying that and, and cultivating that. And not trying to, um, because I think sometimes we find there's an alignment, there's a lot of alignment within organizations, but it's, it's very singular or very narrow alignment. We just want to make tons of money or we want to do X project. We want to get, you know, food distributed. And you can get, you can have that alignment, but if that's all you have and you, you're not aligned in some of these other areas, it completely, uh, it completely crumbles or it lasts for such a short time and, and it doesn't, it doesn't work. And I think that the issue or the challenge is, is creating alignment in multiple ways so that where you've got that issues of not just growth, but then sustainability, you know, mm-hmm. not just startup, but then growth expansion and sustainability for a long time. But but also this idea of sustainability has to be around this. Some things shouldn't be sustained, right? I mean, if you're doing, if you're, so, if you're doing relief project, you, yeah. you know, I, if, if you're, if you're giving people fish and you have a ton of, re, you know, you get a ton of money for that. Oh, heavens, stop giving people the fish. When are you going to start teaching them, right. right? Well, and but I think you've got this money is, for yeah. fish. I'm I'm feeling for Jim here because he's. I, I, this was a question that had come to me, and so he'll have to figure out how to splice this in. Because, you know, Edgar and I, when when we're working with these companies, we will 
we will have this conversation and not, not all revenue is good revenue. Now, when we do that with these companies, we also recognize that inherent in our work is that those companies continue to be successful. And that typically means some level of growth and, and expansion. So when, when those companies um, gain some clarity on the human emotional need that they're meeting and the problems that they're solving, you know, they can expand to solve that problem for more people. They can expand to a new problem, a new set of customers, et cetera. There's kind of these models to continuously grow the business. The one thing that's always in the back of my mind is, you know, this drives a very consumptionist society, you know, consumption-based society. If we're constantly trying to convince people that our product or our service, now everybody needs true alignment and that should be on the air here. Um, so, <laughs> so yes, we are totally in line with that. But, but the reality is when the organizations get in, get in the space where they're just searching for more customers to, to provide their growth, um, they're trying to keep their business alive. Um, I think some businesses shouldn't be alive. They should solve the problem. They should solve it so well <laughs> that they shouldn't exist anymore. Um, you know, we have, we have a lot of, uh, the, the, the company I always give my, my students here because they can see it around our town is JCPenney. Like it's time, it's time for JCPenney to go. Um, they were a great department store. Um, you'll have to cut this one out, Jim. We'll get in trouble. Um, <laughs> they were a great department store, but now they're doing appliances and they're doing mattresses and they're doing everything they can to try and get one more customer to keep that thing afloat. And you start to get away from what you're doing, who your customers are, et cetera. But what if we taught business education in a way to say, let's work on these problems. And when they're solved, let's put this business away and we'll figure out what business needs to work for the next problem. Um, and I, you know, I think I, my question would be, Kevin, is that, is that a model that is more ripe for the nonprofit sector? Um, because we do find that a lot of nonprofits do the same thing that for-profit businesses would do. And they, they hang on to try and keep the nonprofit alive as opposed to the great work that they were built to do. Yeah. I, 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 I think, Yeah. I was just going to say, I think that becomes part of that whole legacy deal where um, you'll see leadership and not-for-profits that aren't, um, in other words, they're sustaining a position of leadership without really providing any leadership or forward thinking. Anyway, sorry about that. Go ahead. Yeah. But I, I, you know, we, I, I, we have this little saying, which is a saying, I think, in the U.S., but, uh, you know, when all you have a is a hammer. Everything looks like a nail, right? right? And if, and if our business, and, and there's nothing wrong with, with hammers, but if you're trying to cut glass, that wonderful tool for hammering nails is awesome. But for cutting glass, it's not going to work for you. Only it's one time. Cause problems. That's right. <laughs> but, but if, if, if you've, if you've solved a problem with your business, your company or whatever it is, why, you know, your mission, you've, you've accomplished that thing, whatever it is, and if you are well connected with your your whether your customers, consumers, whatever, is there not an adjacent product? If you're really in touch with your market, with your your constituency, is there you've you've already got this experience because you've been able to to be successful in whatever that field is. Is there not something that is sort of adjacent to it or 
that you can then address that might be within your sweet spot and not in the sort of mission drift, not, you know, okay, we've, we've solved this problem. Let's now shift to something totally different, but just something next door, you know, that you might be, ah, we've been working on this. We've solved this, but the insights that we've gained from all of our years and experience working with these people around this product or this service now let's we can shift it in there and do something else and and then be relevant not just continue yeah. just looking for looking for more nails you, you know especially and this is uh you know my assumption uh, kevin and, and correct it if it's wrong please my assumption is this this is very u.s centric but um this this is the genius of amazon right they went out the door to solve books <laughs> that was it I, in, you know, if you, if you haven't read it, I, I mean, I don't know if anybody's read it, the everything store, which is a, a kind of an autobiography of Bezos and, and, and love them, hate them. But the, the background story, um, in the, in the founding story is really kind of amazing because they had opportunities to do other markets early that they refused because they said, if we can figure out this, everything adjacent we can own. And, and they have, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, the, that's just the truth. Um, but they did it in one space, knowing that they would move adjacent once they figured out that space. So I think to your point, yeah, for sure. I mean, you have a model and this is, the, this is the meta part of the system, right? The system does X and then the meta part of the system can also do Y and Z sometimes. What comes to mind too is, uh, we've talked about this within True Alignment, where... Um, Consulting, it's very tempting. You know, people want to be able to get in and then keep consulting forever and ever, amen. And that's exactly the opposite of the intent of true alignment. I mean, you're getting in, you're trying to educate, provide framework, and, um, you know, get it so that you can exit and the rest of the, the business, uh, you know, carries on because they're adopting the framework and using the tools. Um, so I think that speaks to sustainability. Um, yeah. And it... You know, it's all about motivation and incentivizing and incentive and incentive, right? Yeah. So, hey, so this is so much fun. Should we actually start the podcast? <laughs> Should we actually start? <laughs> well, we did already. There was um, there's something too, uh, and when you think about it from a system, you you mentioned on a, a quite a a set of really important considerations. You said uh, physical, spiritual, emotional. Um, uh, and it's interesting that, um, when you look at, we, we work with something we call the me model, which uh, presents a framework or way of understanding your own personal alignment. What does that look like in your own self-concept? And if you follow those threads out into the world, you see that all of those are at play. And this ties in also to what are the possibilities if we provide a product or service of some kind and right next to it is another opportunity. What does that opportunity look like in the expansiveness? So the other piece of that then is the social. So you've got the, the social, the physical, the spiritual, and the emotional in the self-concept. And you also see that then evolving and, and expanding in the world around us. And to begin to look at those and say, well, those are all different areas that we can step into if we see what those ties are, we, we see what those potential alignments are. And that then opens yes, up. Yes, yes. And you can see then with the alignment from a very personal mm. perspective uh, of the self-concept all the way out into the world um, in, 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 the, in the different systems that we that we operate in. So uh, um, good on you. Good, great, great thinking there, Kevin. Oh, thanks. 
you know, this dynamic though of, of, of alignment per even individual personal alignment is I, I, I've said this for the past 18 years is that I've been so fortunate that I have a, a job or work where everything is in alignment. And I think I even, even mentioned this to you, Heather, because I say this all the time, but just talking about, you know, my education, my passion, my interest, my background, you know, everything just is, has just sort of led me to to what the work that we're doing to where we are. And it's like, uh, you can call it work, but it's not work. It's just, it's life. And when you're, when you have the opportunity like that, it's just, it's just awesome when all those things are aligned. And I just, oh, it kills me to know that there are people doing jobs, working day in, day out, 40, 50, 60 hours a week in things that they're, they're the only alignment they, they have with their task is they have a certain level of competence and it pays money. Mm-hmm. And they, they get no fulfillment. They get no joy. They don't see how this fits in with anything else in the rest of their life or how this, mm-hmm. you know, this work is actually accomplishing. Anything has no meaning. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry for you because, you know, I wake up and I'm like, I love it. Well, I, I hear so, so much and so often. I think this goes to um, the third element and the personal alignment piece mm-hmm. so strongly. Um, how often, especially, you know, at, at our age, you hear people like, oh, you know, I'm five years away from retiring and then I can do what I really love. <laughs> Everybody's putting it off and putting it off until tomorrow. Um, yeah, I agree. That's really good. It's good to hear. Exciting, and yeah. everybody. Well, should have when it. I retire, I'm. Yeah, when I retire, I'm going to do what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I guess you're not going to retire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. The, the the last point you made about that kind of uh, the ability to to wake up and 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 have this intersectionality of the intersectionalities of you come together. Uh, in the work that you get to experience each day. Um, you know, I think that is, that is something magical. You know, it's a little bit of an oasis, uh, especially here in the American culture, right? I mean, it is, uh, and, and you mentioned this idea of, uh, you know, work to live, live to work, uh, kind of stress, uh, tension in, in existence, but the idea is Heather mentioned that you would do something so that later you can do something that you'd like. Um, you know, that seems that alignment that you mentioned, the way you used alignment there seems to be a little bit of an oasis for many. Yeah. And I, I would, would really wish that on everyone because I feel like, you know, when I was in my younger days, you had asked me, what do you want to do with your life? I have no idea. I grew up, I didn't know, you know, who knows? I want to play football as a little kid, or I want to, you know, want to do some strange thing. And, you know, through my, the, maybe the traditional uh, college years, um, I started at a local community college taking gen ed things, not having any idea what I wanted to do. And I just, maybe fortunately or unfortunately, uh, didn't finish my uh, college career in the uh, traditional four or five or six year time frame. But I, I, I took some time and, and 
was able to travel a fair bit, worked with uh, overseas, um, and actually came back after uh, 10 years. And so I was 29 years old when I went, came back to, to college, and I was able to study something that I was really passionate about. And even these sort of gen ed classes that I was taking around, you know, uh, math or, or statistics or things that were, you know, uh, creative writing or something. I had all these classes that were not related to my major. I was, I still loved because I just had a very different perspective on things. And I was like, oh, this is, I could see how this was relevant or not even relevant, but just of an in interest. And it just seems that, uh, and, and when I came out of college, when I graduated and, and started my, my, my current work, I was, everything was just in alignment in terms of my past experience and all of these things of my personality, my temperament, you know, things that I really, really enjoyed. I was able to do that. But unfortunately, so many people are not, they just, you know, do something, they're going to have well, to get a job and, and make some money. And that's really unfortunate, isn't well, it? I think a lot of it. All life. Yeah, I think you've touched on something here. A couple of things really important. One is uh, what's the perspective? And so, um, you know, taking courses that may not have interested you without having a sense of what you are aligning yourself to and your interests um, presents it, you know, it, the presentation of perspective is all a matter of the experience and then how it is that you, that you come at it. And I think that has a lot to do with, with alignment um, and, and what our perspective is. There's something else I want to go back to that I thought was kind of fun is you've, cause you've said it twice, I think now in terms of, you know, retirement and, and, you know, what, what does life look like? And that's a really tempting question at any age. And that also is a matter of perspective. I'm reminded, as you said, that of Leonard Cohen. Um, he was in front of a big audience in London and he was uh, in his mid to late 60s. Um, and then uh, fast forward um, a couple of decades forward, now he's in his 80s and, he, and he's in front of a big audience again in London and he's reflecting on the last time he was there. And he says, yeah, and the last time I was here, um, I was just a kid with a crazy dream. He was 65. And, and, he's, <laughs> and he's 65. So uh, you may you may want to you may want to uh, um, listening to your own words there. You know what, what's the perspective that you have, and is it really retirement, or is it uh, is it just uh, that you're rediscovering your kid with a crazy dream and keep moving it forward? You know, and because uh, we're all just children at heart anyway, and if we're able to dream and imagine, then anything is possible, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I'm well, personally, I, uh, my, personally, my, 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 yeah. I was going to say, Kevin, it, I love to hear your story um, because to me, um, I'm, I have an 18-year-old son and I'm really pleased personally to see we're moving away from that paradigm of you go to you know school right after high school, you graduate in four to five years, and you get out in the world and you still don't know what you want to do. <laughs> so I, I think I love the alignment first and then everything falls into place. And that's what I'm trying to teach my son. Um, and, you know, let him know that that's completely okay because he's hearing otherwise, you know. But it's more and more. Mm -hmm. You hear it gap year all the time now. Everybody's taking a gap year, right? And yeah. So, I, you know, I would I've push, ba I would push back on this, on this I, concept of, of gap year because, you know, Kevin, as we talk a little bit about your, your bio, and I want to know, I, I have some, some curiosity questions in here. I, I'll, be, I'll be really upfront. You know, I opened your bio, which is a non-traditional bio, 
Um, right. I mean, it is really the, the story of Kevin Pippert from the very beginning. Um, right. Which is not tip the typical bio that we get sent by guests. And so, um, at first I opened it and I was like, Oh, I don't have time to digest it. But as I sat with it, um, there's some things that really, and this is where I'll tie it to the gap year conversation. There's some things that I want to know, because what you mentioned in going back to college is that you have a willingness to have the thing you're experiencing be just that, an experience. And I think the idea of the gap year is that the experience seems to be somewhere else, as opposed to the things that are in front of us all will be an experience. I mean, and this is the, um, you know, as, as, a, as a college educator for the last quarter century, um, I've watched my family members send, send my nieces and nephews uh, to school. I'm frustrated by sending my own children to, to university um, because they have failed to realize, and my own students in my own classes have failed to realize that what they have invested in is an experience, not an outcome. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's very, very astute. Um, because when you think about most people in, in school, um, especially in the early years, um, it's always about preparing for the future. Well, we're going to prepare you for the future. We're going to prepare you for the future. And I think something that gets missed in all of that is being present to the moment being present to the current experience that we're, that we're in, where the real learning actually does happen. It's in the present experience. Um, and only if we are present to that and aware of it, can we really use it um, in a way that serves us going forward. And the whole idea of always preparing for the future, preparing for the future, um, well, it just pays to just slow. Let time run, I'll just walk. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> well, it's the, and then you end up, you know, preparing for the future still, right? Like when I retire, when I retire, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think it was Paul McCartney, right? Like life is what happens when you're making other plans or busy making other plans. Could be. Edgar's our resident <laughs> mus- musical knowledge. Um, so Kevin, I, ha- I got to know, like where where is this curiosity, right? I mean, you do this rotary exchange in high school. You end up with, uh, what's the name of the, the first company? Um Operation Mobilization, you end up touring, yeah. touring the planet, right? I mean, you're in, you, I think you said 27 countries or something like that. Um, if I read down the pipeline, yeah. I have to imagine that there's some intersection that happens there and, and you meet your wife. Um, but the, that's a big leap, right? That's a big leap from Chicagoland, Illinois to, to doing those kinds of things how does that happen? Yeah, um, well, I think, uh, you know, for me, the, the, I guess the, the leap was, I, in a sense, a leap of faith. I mean, I think one of the things that precipitated at least the, um, not the, not the uh, time in the Philippines as an exchange student that was in high school, but a bit later, um, was just, you know, coming to faith and, you know, what that meant to me and, and if, you know, if I really believed or if I was really uh, a person of faith, my life would look very different than it was at, at the time in, in Chicago. And that just led me on, a you know, literally one step after another um, of, you know, I did this, you know, went overseas for a, just a, a summer thing. And that led to 
joining uh, OM for, for one year. And then that turned into two and then that turned into four. And then I thought, wow, uh, this is, this could be something, this could be something, you know, this isn't just a, an experience. This could lead to something. And I think my bio, and, and this is the interesting thing uh, and why I actually even kind of wrote it like that, because to me, the bio was about me. It wasn't about my, a, 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 a vocational biographical sort of trajectory where you talk about, okay, this is the academic preparation for the work that you do. And that the work that you do is the job that you've had is A, B, and C, or one, two, three, you've done these things. But it's like, no, this bio is just who I am. And then all of those experiences that one that I kind of share about have is, is my sort of biographical journey about who I am. And also what I'm doing is a part of who I am today. And that's where that, that convergence comes or that alignment about why do, you know, why do I not need to retire? Because I'm doing what I'm doing, what to do right now is because all of these things are, it, that's who I am what I do is coming out of who I am and not just something that I want to do or some kind of work that I have to, to perform or activities that I have to perform to, to make money so I can survive. And then at some later point, get to do what I really want to do. Yeah, a lot of bios uh, in, today, in our world, um, it is true. I agree with you. And most, most bios are much like resumes. They're indicators of competencies. They're indicators of the experiences, uh, are intended to demonstrate a set of competencies as opposed to the richness and depth of the experience itself in terms of you know, personal, personal growth, um, you know, the meaningfulness of those experiences and in terms of who we are at the heart and soul and the depth of who we are um, can be so easily overlooked because we have the tendency to focus so much on the competency uh, of of individuals and what they bring and yeah I agree with you that that shows up in just about every bio that you read even if you see a bio on Wikipedia I mean that's pretty much what what you get yeah, um, isn't it the British the concept of CV curriculum vitae which is a oh. list of life right oh, as an academic it, it's painful right I mean who wants <laughs> I don't even want to read twenty five oh, yeah. pages of my own crap yeah, well yeah, so much of academia is based on that as well which is you know <laughs> hey. What have you learned? What do you know? And how are you going to transfer that? And um, and it's uh, having a conversation of what is transferable from an experience is uh, is is a, is a different kind of a, a different kind of conversation. Yeah, deeper I like meaning it. to it. I like how you like in your your latest bio, Edgar. I think you know it talks about your experience as a chef, your experience as a musician, like because it is it's all the story of. The whole, the whole yeah, and anybody really related. realizes I'm not competent in any of this. <laughs> You're competent at curiosity, right? I mean, yes. I think that that is the in the exploration, which I, I again, I'll just come back. I think that's the secret sauce. Um, Be curious, Kevin. I had yeah, um, right. That Ted Lasso quote of the "Be curious, not judgmental." Um, Kevin, I don't know if Ted Lasso's on your side of the world or not. I thought um, that was Paul McCartney or Dave Grohl. Oh well. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm familiar with it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. There's just this wonderful clip that is making its uh, way a, a million times around the internet that is, um, you know, a story of him saying that, you know, I wish more people were curious and ask questions. And he's, um, you know, he's been us underestimated his whole life. But, uh, you know, that idea of being 
curious instead of judging others and, and that, that kind of openness and that exploring. And one of the reasons Edgar and I uh, were fast friends is that just that winding background of doing those different things, um, which I just love. I mean, I think that's the, that's the fabric that gets woven together. Uh, and, and here's, and this, this fits into the idea of leadership development to um, how powerful this is. So oftentimes working with leaders and coaching leaders, it's the conversation of how do I become a better listener, right? What, what does that look like? And then inevitably it's competency oriented. It's give me the how to's. What's the, what's the how to, how do I do this better? So the simple solution that I always, that I offer is just front of mind, two, two words, I'm curious, and use that as the front end of your, of your, of your statements, your, your, um, your conversation, instead of giving the advice or anything else, just re and the constant reminder of I'm curious says I'm going to be an inquirer and a listener and to inquire and to listen. So that simple idea before, before anything else, let the words I'm curious come from your lips. And what's the question that follows? And then what's the question that follows that? And you just continue on that path. And it starts with just that simple statement. I'm curious. Tell me more about what you just said. Or I'm curious. How does that work? Um, yeah. Just start with that. It's a very simple how-to. If you can do that one, I think you'll go a long way. Kevin, I have, uh, I've had the privilege uh, here working at uh, Regis University, uh, Jesuit Catholic institution to be on immersion and, and to be on pilgrimage and, and the spiritual basis of our, uh, of our faith-based institution has had a profound impact on, on me. Um, I know there are times, uh, you know, in, in most people's spiritual journey and, and you, and you brought that up, that, that deep connection, uh, that you have in your faith. Um, you know, the wonderful thing about faith is, uh, I would say, regardless of who who anyone follows, there is there is a path to paying attention, and in trying to trying to not only hear but to listen, um, to to what we've started to pay attention to. As you've done these kinds of curious journeys, and you talked about your faith bringing you there, are there places that you can point to where you went? You had the, the hair stand up on the back of your neck and say, I can feel myself paying attention to this now. Wow. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think it's been uh, maybe a, a lifelong journey of those things um, because I think that's that's what have I If I have any sort of... I mean, I shared in my, my bio, all my competencies. I don't have any, you know, that's why I shared what I shared. But, uh, so, but I do have, if I do have one competency is what we just spoke. Of. I am super inquisitive. I'm just curious about everything. And, oh, wow, how does that work? And so I do ask a lot of questions. And so my, my faith journey really has just been one of asking a lot of questions. And, and I, I, how Jesuit uh, of you. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know what, what, you know, certainly being a Christian was really about. So I asked a lot of questions and I would get answers and I, that's a terrible answer. So I asked more <laughs> questions and more questions that led me finally going to, to finish college. Right. And, and, and I got a, a biblical studies undergrad and I thought, oh, wow, this was great. But, 
Yeah, there's a lot. I got a lot more questions. I, you know, I literally am the guy that sits in the front row, right in the middle seat with my hand constantly in the air asking questions. Ask my profs. <laughs> so I'm not, you know, college undergrad was great, but I still had questions. So I want to go to seminary. I've got questions. What about this? What about that? So it really has been just a series of questions. My whole, that's my whole faith journey and asking and, and not just, you know, listening to sort of the, the echo chambers of people that are in my own sort of spiritual tradition and that sort of thing. I like traveling around the world. I like people. I like engaging with different people. What, what about this? Oh, you think that? Oh, why? Wow, that's interesting. We come up from like this. We understand God like this. What? Do, how do you think about that? Ooh. So it really is just a lifelong journey. My, and for those people that have questions, hey, embrace that. You know, that's awesome. Just ask and, and don't stop asking. You know, don't ask some. You know, because you, you can get, you can get a lot of religious people that can be a bit dogmatic and a little bit. Well, there's a difference between religion and spirituality, often. right? Uh, Absolutely, yeah. but keep asking. Talk to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So you, um, you know, you go back. You, you finish school. You finish divinity school. Um, you come out and you, you manage a franchise. Right. Which is the, like that. That's the left yeah. turn. That's the left turn in that document. Right. I mean, is um, but then you tie it right back really quickly and you talk about the people that are, uh, you know, under your kind of management uh, sphere as being these uh, African refugees. Yeah. So I, I, I graduate seminary and I've got a master's of divinity and I'm preparing to, to work with this this organization. But you know, this organization is, is you, you have to self-fund. Mm -hmm. So it takes time for you to raise money to go and do the thing that you want to do. So I needed the job uh, for a, a time that paid money. So a friend connected me with a guy who was starting this residential house cleaning business. It was this franchise. And he says, hey, I would love to, you know, have you come on as a manager. You're all about, you're going to Africa and I want to hire these guys uh, that go to my church. I've got a lot of African refugees from Sudan and from uh, Liberia, all over Africa. And he wanted to uh, provide some employment for these guys to, yeah, just as they're, as they're coming, you know, from horrific situations. And so I'm like, yeah, sure. So I, I helped this guy start this residential house cleaning business. And what was interesting was, he says, I, I, I told him, I'm only interested in, in I'm going to do this for a year because I'm, I'm planning to go overseas. And he says, great. I got a guy that was African. He's, uh, he's from Sudan. He's had a really tough life. He went to uh, Russia and he, he actually studied law in Russia, got married, moved to the States because of situation. And I want this guy to manage this, uh, this business after you. So I only really want somebody for a year, but I just need somebody to help get this thing set up. And I, so I, what do I know about house cleaning professionally? Nothing, but I've got a seminary degree. That's going to help, right? <laughs> no. So, Actually, so I helped I this guy start this. Yeah, I, I helped this guy start this this business, and it's, today is going well. This was we started in 2005. Things going now in the northern suburbs still going well, and but we were able to start this business and then help these guys start with these African refugees, and it's you know it's expanded and 
whatever. So, but it was really an interesting thing. Again, convergence of, okay, there was a spiritual dynamic. There was just a desire to help, to do something. But then, yeah, I mean, what do I know about cleaning or even starting a business? But it's a franchise, right? It's the kind of paint by numbers. We got all the, you know, everything is uh, laid out for you. You just got to fill in the blanks and, you know, follow, connect the dots. And, and we did it and it's going well. That's I awesome. left and that's probably how it, it's helped, but, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's grown. And, and, and so that was, yeah, that was an interesting, but I will say there's one story there. It was interesting because I was helping this guy that was going to take over for me, this, this Sudanese refugee. He actually in Russia, he studied law during his, his first period there. And so he, he wasn't, and he came to the U S thinking he was going to get a better start. He did not, wasn't able to practice law because obviously he didn't get the, the education and the credentialing uh, to, to practice here, but we were cleaning a house in Evanston, Illinois, beautiful, unbelievable home. And this woman is, and I had to fill in because somebody didn't uh, show up that day. And Kevin with his master's degree in divinity <laughs> had to start cleaning some houses so I'm helping this guy clean houses and I'm talking at this woman and she's saying, Oh, how did you start? How long have you been working with this company? And I tell her my story. I tell a little bit of the story of, of the guy that was working upstairs. I said, you have got to have one of the most highly educated uh, house cleaning staff that you could ever. <laughs> I've got an MDiv. This guy's got a law degree. I think he got it from Russia. I don't know what the, you know, but we're cleaning your house. And she was just like totally taken aback, but that just, it's, it's, it's part of the experience, part of the journey where this guy that studied law was clean. He, he went on and did something else, but, and I obviously moved on as well, but it's just, it's part of the journey. The experience is all, if we have the right perspective and we can, we can see um, our life experience and we can kind of combine these things with our, our, what we actually do, then, you know, it's, it's, it's a win-win for, for life. Um, but it's a convergence of all these different things, but that was just an interesting experience. Um, residential house cleaning between seminary and working in moving to South Africa and working with a uh, holistic community transformation in some of the poorest countries in the world. Yeah. So tell you now you gotta, I mean, that's a wonderful segue, Kevin. Thank you for sharing that story. Tell us how, tell us uh, what holistic community development is, um, uh, from your perspective and tell us about, um, kind of how you grew into that space and then how you spun off uh, your own thing. Yeah. So I think for, for us, holistic community transformation is, is looking at, you know, uh, an individual, but then also communities holistically. So looking at their development or their, their, their growth transformation holistically. So what does that look like physically, emotionally, socially, spiritually, and helping people move or grow or develop in every area of life and not just one. We were talking earlier about the saying that, you know, you, you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, you teach a man a fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Well, that's great if all he needs is to eat, right? But we need a lot of things, right? So, and, and in, in many communities, the, the kind of transformation that we as Westerners see we, we look at, you know, developing countries, poor economically underdeveloped countries and see economic poverty. But in actual fact, there's a lot of different kinds of poverty, but there's also a lot of wealth. 
And so the economic or, or the, the holistic transformation is looking at all of those areas, physical, emotional, social, spiritual, and, and physical, we're looking at economic development, um, health, physical health. So we focus on primary or um, uh, preventative health care, um, spiritually, um, emotionally, being obviously healthy, robust uh, emotionally and, and, and socially working together collaboratively, um, how we can engage with one another in, 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 in ways that are not uh, that are building the community as opposed to separating your challenges. We've got a lot of, um, yeah. So it's seeing a, a community develop holistically. That's kind of the, the goal. So we, we, we journey with people, whether they're organizations, nonprofits, uh, churches, um, different people, organizations, and kind of mentor coach or consult, if you will. Um, and, help them grow in each of these areas. So uh, for an example, you see a poor country that's economically underdeveloped. You think, ah, we need to start some businesses. We need to get uh, some money generated, get these guys, you know, get some, get some food on the table and it's which is absolutely going. legit. I mean, you need to help people. Right. But sometimes if they're not developed, so somebody could be economically developed, but if you haven't helped them holistically or helped them in an emotional way, with their relationship with their wife or their spouse, or if you have it morally, they can take that extra money that they've just learned how to, to earn and they can spend it on drugs or alcohol. But if you help them look socially, how to love your wife, how to you know engage with the family, how to provide for your children, a lot of different things, then you can begin to see real significant transformation, not just one sort of sector economic transformation or you know, um, uh, agricultural transformation, you learn how to, you know, plant corn or whatever, which is all good things, but we look at it holistically. You want to see the transformation every year. It's a, it's so powerful to recognize. And this goes back to the work that we do. And we always begin with the me model, which is about the self-concept. Um, and who am I and what does alignment look like, um, as it comes from me? Um, and so that power of choice gets, 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 uh, it comes right into the forefront to recognize that alignment is about self-knowledge uh, and then making the choices and uh, doing our best to uh, make sure that the uh, the choices we're making, the outcomes we're creating are, not, are coming back to and aligning with who we really want to be and how we want to show up uh, to, to the world, yes, uh, to ourselves yeah. as well. Edgar, I, I will add the one thing that I just so appreciate about the me model is that it welcomes and it includes, it includes and it welcomes our emotions. Yeah. Right. It doesn't ignore them. And and I think that that is, um, yeah, I just want to say that I love that it welcomes and includes our emotions. Mm-hmm. Which are then the core of our relationships. So there you have it. Kevin, as, as you know, I know as I do some work here at the university in the innovation space, the one thing, um, I don't, I don't like that word. I, and I've said this from the very beginning. <laughs> I, I don't like that word innovation. Um, I, I don't like it because it always makes it seem like we're on the hunt for something we've never known before. But the reality is that a lot of our innovations are often a return to core things that we knew before, right? I mean, this idea of, of, of holism, 
you know, in the, in the Western world, you know, we have the community organizations did some of that work, probably not necessarily with the intention that you're doing it with now. Um, but they did it because that's what community organizations did. Right. I mean, and we can talk about, you know, your, um, you know, this was the importance of the building a school or a church in a community because those, those parts would anchor the other parts of, of, of your holism. So we knew yeah. some of that before, right? I mean, this is the, uh, you settle the West, the pioneers settle the West, they build a church first, right? Um, and, and they anchor some of those things and everything, and the holism emanates from there. And we've, we've gotten away from that. And I don't know, I, I don't know why, I'm kind of envious that, you know, you're in a place now where you can re return, return to that. Hmm. Well, I think one of the things though, I, I think you're absolutely right that, you know, it, this idea has always been there. It's just, I think there's a certain level of maybe professionalism or even excellence that we've, you know, in our, our you know, modern society, we, we tend to focus and, and be laser focused, right? And we become experts and we become so brilliant at like this one narrow thing. And then we lose, you know, we lose the forest through the trees. Right. And, and we just, we really do need to have a, a holistic framework that just keeps everything related and not just sort of locked in these silos, you know, cause you have the doctor, you know, have him get involved in, in community work and he's going to focus on health physical health. You ask an entrepreneur, they're going to focus on business. You ask somebody else and they're going to focus on whatever. You ask a pastor, Oh, let's start a church. Well, but let's look at the whole thing. Let's, and, and, and you don't, and, and the, the import I, for, for me, I think the importance is being, keeping integrated or, or to, to be integrated and not mm -hmm. disintegrated, you yeah. know, not have these, this sort of the silo effect. And that's, and, and that's where the idea of collaboration is working together with other people that are excellent or have a, 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 a very precise level of skill, but let them all work together. You know, like a university, right? <laughs> You've got different departments, well, different. That's how it's supposed it to work. But. And keeping company with one another in a company. Yes. There's a, yeah, I think there's a, there's a piece of that, which is really important to, to be able to recognize is that we live in this world of hyper-specialization and that hyper-specialization keeps us very often from seeing the broader picture and seeing the holistic uh, picture and everything that's going on around us. Uh, I think that's probably, as I'm listening to you and getting to know you here, is that that's probably one of those traits that goes hand in hand with the curiosity, is that I'm curious about everything that fits into the system, everything that's a part thereof, and it teaches us that to be a generalist is not a bad idea at all. I, yeah, I can have specific competencies, but even as a doctor, um, if I don't look at the, the system, so yeah, there's you, you're having uh, cardiovascular issues, uh, gee, how much stress and what's your emotional state? Right? Because it all ties together. And I think being able to see the world expansively in that way and to just be conscious that we don't always create silos from our special specialized yeah. views and ways of going about what we do. Yeah, well, yeah, thank you. So, so Kevin, uh, what fantastic work you, you do there with 360 Transformation. Tell us a little bit about the, the new resource global stuff that you're doing. Oh, that's that's very exciting because you know we're working in in rural Africa and 
you know, is is one way of community transformation. But hey, cities need transformation too, and and the idea of holistic transformation there is is the same, but obviously different. Um, but the the resource global work that uh, that we're we're launching um, is around equipping and and motivating, empowering sort of the next generation, twenty five to thirty five year old professionals to integrate, right? Integrate their faith and and work and what that look and it's really helping them align, you know, align themselves because oftentimes this, you know, people of faith, just people of no faith. They don't, you know, they just do their work. But this this particular program that we're 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 going to be working with this this is around helping people see how their faith and work align and how they can be transformative in their workspace and in their communities um, around not just you know making money for themselves or selling widgets or you know providing a service, but how does this impact in this hyper specialized world, right? I mean, one can lose perspective. Um, I just make, you know, uh, pens. You know, what does this have to do with anything and furthering humanity? Well, what happens if this, you know, pens, we don't have pens, you know? I mean, it's just thinking through. It's a worldview issue. But that's also part of it, right? Worldview and, and perspective and, and alignment and helping people think through their faith and how that can, can be um, um, a, a catalyst for, engagement in their workplace in a whole new way um, and in their community as well. You know, I'm curious. So we're very excited about this. Yeah, I should yeah. talk about that. Um, what I'm thought, uh, you know, what I'm reminded of is being able to show up as your entire self, as your whole self. Um, and I think um, my experience here was um, COVID was a fantastic catalyst for that. We started asking each other, how are you? <laughs> how are you doing? What is your emotional reserve? Like things you never used to ask in the in the office and I'm curious if there was a similar um, similar change that you see where you are um, in your locale um, where we you know fantastically have kind of returned to this um, greater perspective and view of each other as not just you know <laughs> my least favorite term human resources right our resources that are human um, but do you see that there as well? The great alignment, yeah, the great I, resignation, I, the great no, alignment. I just go, you, you're, uh, the way that you just did that with your quotation, Mar you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with your nonverbal there, we've been not thinking about the other resources. Our resources. And, and we have a coffee machine. We're constantly extracting, right? And as we're trying to build up employees, we extract from them because mm. they're a resource mm. we extract, right? Right. Sorry. That's okay. That's my diet. That's my diet drive. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I would think, you know, here in South Africa, but also in, in Southern Africa, a lot of people did, you know, rethink things, have to re, rethink why, why are we doing what we're doing? You know, is this is this a, or why are we not doing something? Um, but I think it was a, a, a real wake up call for people um, and um, making people rethink things. But I think one of the other dynamics, though, I think for for South Africa, may, which may be a little bit different, um, or or African general, really, is that there's more. There's in the U.S. We we there's this strong, I would say, overemphasis of the the separation between the the um, 
secular and the sacred or the the mm-hmm. spiritual and that needs to be completely removed from the sort of uh normal society if you will right and i think that but, but that's not there are people that are spiritual people there are people that are you know have faith and there's that's a part of an alignment because how how can you okay i'm going to come into this conversation with half of my personality not being able to engage in the sphere and i think that's not but and oftentimes that happens because of you know maybe misabuses of uh, of people expressing their faith or trying to you know overstate things or trying to control things in a way that are that is completely in, inappropriate for a, a you know work context or just normal civic uh context but i think we have to be who we are and we have to express that and i think we as people of faith need to understand how that we can honestly with integrity express our selves our true selves mm-hmm. uh in everything that we do and it doesn't mean we're going to you know take a bible and bash it over people's heads or just say you know you shouldn't do this or that's not it but it's because there's many other things that we don't express um in terms of our faith that are good for civic society you know doing things with excellence and passion and commitment that that is you know people of faith will, will are are should also be known for right and i think that can be um that can be a, a very strong motivation for people to to rethink and re-engage in the workplace in society as as full people not just their secular selves but their whole selves whether they're people of faith or not but i think that's but i think the, the africa has a little bit more openness for that to be a a person of faith in civil society where you want to keep that stuff don't talk about your faith that's that's for your you know behind I, I closed think, doors I like sexuality and that sort of stuff i, I think that yeah no, I, I think it's a wonderful place to go to so um just uh, simply the uh the idea of just asking someone you know, hey i'm curious what do you have faith in um, so this is my opportunity to uh, bring Jimmy Carter into into the conversation, um, which he writes about in a book about faith and um, the idea that uh, faith isn't singular. It's not defined in a concrete way, though we have a, an approach to say, well, I have faith in, therefore. And to look at it more expansively, which is that we all will have faith, which is a really a, way, a belief in the hope of a possibility. We we hope through the idea of a possibility, and so therefore we have faith in. And um, very often it's it's just faith in one another as humanity, and what does that represent? So I think that expansive way of looking at the idea of faith and being curious about one another and what we have faith in um, offers a, an opportunity for intimacy and vulnerability in a relationship, getting to know one another in deeper ways. And I think it's powerful to be able to uh, be able to see our own alignment to our own sense of possibility and hope that we have. Yeah, and I hear too. Yeah, if you're able to um, show up completely as your whole person, not your partial person, you know what amazing. You know, going back to the you know capitalistic viewpoint, <laughs> what amazing results. You know, when you can actually get oh. higher on the call it. You know, the fulfillment. Yeah, um, even, Maslow's yeah. hierarchy of needs. You know, you're starting to accomplish things better because you're able to fully resonate. Yeah, yeah. and if and the faith in capitalism, even that that Warren Buffett uh, 
you know, as you know, capitalism is all about benefiting society and to have to have faith in that that possibility. And I think that there might be an MR coming at us here, which is um, movie reference. Right? <laughs> How'd you know? You got the look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> I I've been thinking hard about this one. Um, you know, sometimes the movie references just come, and sometimes I need to think about them a little bit. And Kevin, I needed to think about this week's uh, movie reference a little bit. I always feel like they fall a little short. I mean, as we're as we're having such a high end conversation here, I you know I don't want to undermine it with a with a cheesy movie reference here, but I'm going to go ahead and do that anyways. So I I, I want to bring up the movie Forrest Gump. Um, and, 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 you know, I mean, part of it is so many movies are built on the, on the hero's journey. And, and, and Kevin, what I hear in our conversation is that yours is not the hero's, the, the being curious, the being open, the, the exploration is not. We need to stop painting it as the hero's journey. We need to paint it as the every journey. Um, and, and I think, you know, the movie Forrest Gump takes kind of a lens, a lens to someone that is so clearly curious um, and spending the time inside of themselves that we actually belittle it, um, right? I mean, that's the movie. He's painted as, as dull in the, in the entirety of the movie when he might have been the wisest one in the entire film, yeah. um, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not stupid. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he even keeps explaining it (laughs) to people, um, over and over and over again. Um, and despite all of the amazing experiences that he has in that movie, um, he's the one that ends up teaching everybody else around him, some of the most valuable lessons in their lives, um, to make, to make peace, to make peace with God, to, um, understand how to support fellow human beings, to, to value people that are perhaps, um, uh, seen differently in society. And so, yeah, that's, the, that's this week's movie reference. Um, yeah. The MR, I hadn't heard it called that before. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I, I think that's a, that's absolutely a brilliant reference as well, because I think that <clears throat> that really encapsulates really what kind of what we do in our community transformation, because the the rock star is the normal average everyday community member. They're the, going to be the ones that are going to transform the community in a sustainable, long-term, truly transformative way. Somebody can come in from the outside, you know, consultants or helpers or even aid or resources can come in from the outside and make a bit of a splash, but it's really the average ordinary person that really does the, the big stuff, the, the major work. And I think, you know, Forrest Gump actually just personifies that brilliantly, you know, I mean, I don't know, uh, I just and saw I think that, that you know, that's, yeah, that's what I talk about when, when I go to communities in, in, you know, rural Malawi or, you know, Madagascar or some of these places, you know, is, is saying that you are going to be the ones that are going to tra- you know, transform this place or you are, you can, you can do this. And that's what happens, you know, is people that are going to, because nobody's going to be in, nobody else is going to those communities, you know, these big organizations and things like that are not going to do it. But it's the normal everyday average person is going to make the difference. Uh, we're, we are all extraordinary in our own way. Every person's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, the idea of yeah. that, uh, we just, uh, if, if there is a, a little play there, it's that what's ordinary in all of us is that we're all extraordinary in some way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Kevin, thank you so much. Um, I, we, you know, we're in a time change here, so we, we appreciate you, uh, um, you, you doing the opposite end of our lives, uh, this evening. So thank you so, so much for joining us. What a wonderful very conversation. Wonderful of you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very, very yeah, much. It, it's been, it's been great. It's been great. Thanks for having me. And I look forward to hearing more uh, about you guys and about uh, how I can learn more. I can, you know, the podcast is the time for the questions, but uh, I want to learn more and hear about more about uh, true alignment. We love it. Um, how do we get a hold of you? How do people follow you in the work that you're doing? You can check out the website, 360.org.za or medicalambassadors.org or resourceglobal.org. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks again, Kevin. Um, just want to remind our listeners that if you have any comments, questions, we're, we're happy to connect you with, with Kevin as well. Um, info at truealignment.com. Yeah. And uh, you be in touch and we'll be in touch. That's Please. That works. Love yeah. it. With that, I'm Ken Sagendorf. Heather Kuhar. And I'm Edgar Papke. Thanks for joining us. See you next time around. Have a good uh, week. Have a great week and live aligned. Mm -hmm.